Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a surface, seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword, his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. I am the living one, and I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. And so, Father, we we just come before you as your church humbled to be here and humbled to be around your word, Lord God. I just pray that by your spirit, you would speak to us today. We're desperate for a word from you. We understand the power of your word, that the, the, the transformation that can come from just hearing one word from you, Lord God. Speak to us today. We're hungry for you, Lord God. I pray let there be nothing in me that hinders the delivery of this word. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just, just let there be freedom in the house of God. And Father, we do commit this prayer request to you, this one-year-old with a brain tumour, Father. Father, we just just commit him to you, Father. We don't know what to do so, so often in our lives, Lord God, but our eyes are upon you. Be exalted, I pray. Commit Bill Vasilakis to you too, Father, going through a difficult time. Father, I just pray your hand will be upon him too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Some of us know Pastor Bill, he's been diagnosed with cancer and uh, he's going to go through some treatment over the next couple of couple of months and uh, he's, he's a you know, part of our church and so we want to uphold him in prayer as well. Last week we began a series entitled The Revelation. If there's a book in the Bible that uh, has stirred more curiosity, more controversy, more confusion uh, than any other book in the Bible, it's the book of Revelation. Uh, people have generally taken one of two positions in this book. Either they're completely taken by the book, uh, trying to work out when the end is going to come, who the Antichrist is, the mark of the beast, and uh, they're forever trying to, you know, kind of solve the puzzle. Like They, they see it like a, a jigsaw puzzle, trying to work out, you know, what the picture's going to look like. Um, on the other hand, there's some of us uh, that kind of just look at the book of Revelation and just see uh, too many challenges and kind of avoid it. Uh, because it just seems a little bit too hard uh, to dive into. I think the book of Revelation is an amazing book that needs to be looked at. I I think the book of Revelation, and as I'm studying this more and more, uh, I'm just feeling 
more and more passionate about actually studying this book and actually how important this book is to our lives. Key verse for the series is found in Revelation 1.3 that says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. The word blessed is happy, rejoicing, um, and blessed are those who hear it. And listen, not, not just uh, those who hear it um, or those who uh, actually read the words aloud, but take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. What John was saying is that if we read the book, hear the words of the book, take to heart what is written in it, we will be blessed. It's going to change the way we live our lives. As we study the book of Revelation, as we, as we dive into this book, as we hear it, as we declare it even with our mouths uh, and take to heart what's actually written in this book, it's going to change the way we live our lives. And I think that's profound. Paul was writing to the Philippian church and, and look, look at what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, for as often I've told you before and now tell you again with tears. Many live as enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he was choleric. He was strong. He wasn't seeker sensitive. He's not the kind of guy that would give you a hug. He's the kind of guy that would tell you straight. Many people love someone like that. Amen. He, he was, he was he just tell you the way it is. But here we see the Apostle Paul crying. There's something that's bringing him to tears. Look at what he says. Look at what, it, what, what was bringing him to tears. He says that destiny is destruction, that God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Listen what it is. Their mind is set on earthly things. More than ever, we are living in a world today that is, that, 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 where our mind is set on the things here and now. And this was bringing uh, Paul to tears. And he's speaking to the church, just for the record. He's speaking to the Philippian church. But listen to what he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. As we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the theme of the book of Revelation. There it is right there. Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies. How many people want a transformation to their lowly bodies in the name of Jesus? They want to mind one. So that they will be like his glorious body. And, and Paul is encouraging the church in, in Philippi. He's saying, guys, don't be taken for, from what's around here because our citizenship is not here on earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. And when we look at our lives from a heavenly perspective, it's going to change the way we live. It's going to change the decisions that we make. It's going to change what we consider to be important. That's why we need to dive into the book of Revelation because I don't believe we truly believe that. I don't believe that. We truly believe that, you know, that Jesus is coming back again. That one day we shall be in eternity with Him forever and ever and ever. Can I hear an amen? amen. Last week we said the word of revelation is the word apocalypsis, which means to uncover, to unveil, to reveal. And whatever you think the book of Revelation is, the book of Revelation was written to unveil or reveal Jesus to a group of people whose faith was being threatened, who were discouraged, to a group of people who were losing hope because they were being persecuted for their faith. Things were, 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 were tough for the church. And so John writes this letter to them inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he encourages them by telling them, hang in there, don't give up. I know how this all ends. Jesus is coming back again. And that same encouragement applies to you and me today. I wonder how, much, how many of us actually believe that to be true, that Jesus is coming back again. 
He could come back this afternoon. How many people say, amen, bring it. Yes, come, Lord Jesus, come. He could come back. He can come back any time. Or we could go and meet him early. Uh, we don't know. So often we look at the state of the world and we even look at things in our own lives and we experience challenges and we get tired and exhausted. We, you know, uh, uh, we, we, we just think, oh, this is just too hard. And like the early church, we just start to question and we, and we start to wonder if this is all real. And the same encouragement that God gave the early church is the same encouragement that, that God is giving us today. He's saying, hang in there. Don't give up. I know, I know it feels like Rome is winning. I know it feels like you're losing the battle. I know how this all ends. Jesus is coming again. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. Amen. Now, before the revelation could be given to the church, it was first given to John himself. Before the book of Revelation could encourage the churches, it was first given to encourage the apostle John himself. Our text begins with the words, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation. In other words, he was going through a tough time himself. He was with the church, was on the island of, that is called Patmos, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a little bit about the island called Patmos. It was a barren place. It was a rocky place, sterile, not producing anything. Uh, it was a prison island, a bit like Alcatraz. Some of us have seen the movies. Uh, prisoners were sent to this island as punishment from Rome, and they were many times sentenced to hard labor. Um, Patmos means my killing uh, or to step on or to crush. That was the idea of sending people to the island of Patmos. It was to crush them. Um, and here we have the Apostle John who by now he's in his late 90s. Uh, or sorry, he's in his 90s and he's uh, a long way from home, from the people he loved, from where his faith journey had begun. And I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think a little bit about the life of John. And here he is on the island of Patmos towards the end of his life. John was a fisherman with his brother James. And one day as they were mending their nets, Jesus comes by and he says to them, follow me. And the Bible tells us as we read in the Gospels that immediately they left everything and they followed Jesus. And I, lo I, love what, I love the way it's recorded in the Gospels that says they left their boats and they left their father. This wasn't just a, a kind of, well, let's see how this goes, kind of a following. This means they left everything behind. They left, they left their career, their work, and they left their father, probably left their inheritance as well. They left everything to follow Jesus. John became one of the 12 disciples, one of the apostles, and he was part of the inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John. Uh, Jesus would often uh, uh, call the three of them in, in significant moments in his life. He caused Peter, James, and John to be with, with him in prayer in Gethsemane. Listen, church, every one of us needs a Peter, James, and John in our lives. It's what life groups is all about. It's about connecting with other people so that when we're going through a difficult time, there's a Peter, James, and John that we can call and say, would you pray with me? Would you help me through this tough time? Not only was John part of the, the three, Bible tells us that he was also the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, he must have said that humbly because he wrote that in John, in the Gospel of John. You know, I was the favorite is what he was actually saying. 
He had seen Jesus raise the dead, heal the sick, uh, preach and teach. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration where Moses and Elijah appeared. And uh, he saw Jesus crucified and then three days later brought back to life. Uh, He saw Jesus ascend into heaven. He was right there when all of that happened. He was there at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came in power. He he was there when 3,000 people, you know, uh, gave their life to Jesus and promised to, to serve Him. He was full of hope and through the power of the Holy Spirit that things would be different different in the world. He preached, he saw results. He wrote one of the gospels and three epistles. But sitting on the island of Patmos, all of this must have seemed like a long time ago. Probably 60 years have gone by. 50 years have gone by. And here he is around 90 on an island, condemned to barrenness and uselessness and irrelevance and aloneness. Couldn't use his gifts, he couldn't preach the gospel, couldn't worship. Worse than that, he was on the island because he was doing the right thing. I mean, if he had done something wrong and they threw him on on the island, I mean, I can understand that. At least, you know, he knows why he's there. But he was there because he was doing the right thing. Bible says, I, John, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He He was preaching the gospel and because of that, they threw him on the island of Patmos. Can you imagine the questions going through his mind? God, where are you? What are you doing, God? It's not fair that I'm here. Why am I here, Lord God? I've served you all my life. What what, what have I done wrong to to be in this place at the end of my life? What, What have I done wrong, Lord? Patmos. Here's the deal. All of us at some stage in our lives will end up on the island of Patmos. Patmos is the place where it seems like God has forgotten us. It's the place where it seems like God has abandoned us, where we did everything right and everything seemed to go wrong. Anybody ever been there? You, 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 you did everything right and you thought, well, why, why am I here? Patmos is the place of confusion, perplexities, turmoil, uncertainty, where it feels like God is a million miles away. Where God seems powerless. Your Elohim, the creator of the heavens and the earth, we sung about this morning, but here I am on the island of Patmos where our hopes and dreams seem to die, where what we thought would happen by this time, you know, so many of us have got these plans for our lives where, where you know, we're going to go through this and then this is going to happen and then, and then by the time we get to this age, this is what our life is going to look, look like and we get to that age and none of that's eventuated and we wonder what's going on. At a time in John's life where he should have been enjoying the blessing of God, at a time in his life where he should have been enjoying the fruit of his labour, Getting his pension, just enjoying life. Superannuation that he paid all of his life. (laughs) Here he is stuck on an island called Patmos. It's not a place where any of us want to be. It's a place we want to avoid as much as possible. But here's the deal. Sometimes God does some of his greatest work in our lives on the island of Patmos. If we're serious with God, you know, just be careful about that. I want to encourage you. If you're serious with God, most of us at some point in our lives will end up on the island of Patmos. So many things have the power to bring us there, 
Sometimes it's sickness. Sometimes it's the death of a loved one. Sometimes it's a divorce, retrenchment. You know, we had all these plans. We, we knew what was going to happen. And then suddenly the boss calls us in and says, look, I'm sorry. We're going to have to let you go. Circumstances beyond our control. Depression, anxiety, betrayal, abandonment. Some of us might be there right now, this morning. When I'm on the Isle of Patmos, I've been there a couple of times myself, know what it looks like. I pray a prayer, Lord, send a boat and get me out of here as soon as possible. <laughs> Fix this and do it fast. And sometimes he does. <laughs> a lot of times he doesn't. <clears throat> Never works as quickly as I think he should. Um, question is, what do we do when we're on the island of Patmos? What do, what do we do when we get there? How do, how do we deal with the seasons of Patmos in our own lives? Well, this passage encourages us to remember a few things. I just pray that it would encourage all of us today because there could be somebody here this morning who's actually going through one of these seasons. And my heart goes out to you and I pray that this word would encourage all of us here this morning. First thing that we need to remember is that Patmos is a place where we still can experience the presence of God. John says, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. One of the greatest challenges when we're on the island of Patmos is it feels like God is a million miles away. It feels like He's abandoned us. It feels like He's forgotten us. It, it feels like He's not listening to us. We know what it feels like to feel the presence of God because we felt it before. We come to church, we sing, and just, just we feel the presence of God. We know what it feels like. We know what it feels like when we close the door and we begin to pray and we feel something. We can't explain it. It kind of sounds crazy. If you try and explain it to someone, they'll go, but you, are you losing your marbles? But we know that it's real. We know that it's real. We walk into church down and we walk into church depressed and we walk into church, you know, just weak and then, and then we start to worship and we start to sing and something begins to change in our lives. We know what the presence of God feels like and we know what it feels like not to be in the presence of God. And when we're on the island of Patmos, that's how it feels. All, all we want is to feel the presence of God, that God will speak to us. John reminds us that even in the most challenging times, God is there by His Spirit. That there is no place too high or too deep where the Spirit of God cannot go. David says, where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand shall guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Whether I feel it or not, I, if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. He was, he was John banished to the island of Patmos. The authorities would have thought, we will teach this John a lesson about who's actually in control. We will teach John a lesson about who has the last say. The authorities thought. The authorities thought, this guy is causing too much trouble. He's speaking about Jesus wherever he goes. He's, 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 he's making converts wherever he's going. This old guy, we've got we to teach this old guy about who's actually in control. And so we're going to put him on the island of Patmos, maybe do some hard labor, and see how he takes that. What, what, what the authorities didn't understand is that there was a greater authority. 
That, that they were not the highest authority, but that there was a greater authority who could not be contained, who could not be controlled, who was not limited by space, who could appear even on the island of Patmos. Listen, I, I don't know where you're at today, but it may feel like you're alone and God is far from you. I want you to know that God is near you. Come on, church. I want you to know that God is near you. That He never leaves us nor abandons us. That no matter where we feel, doesn't matter what our, what our feelings are, doesn't matter what our thoughts are telling us, the truth is that God is near. I was on the island of Patmos in the Spirit, says John. That if you call out to Him and you seek His face, He will speak to you. Come on, church. Because there's no place that is too deep or high or hard. Or there's no, there's no situation too dysfunctional or too broken where God cannot reach. Deuteronomy says this, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to Him? Isn't that a beautiful verse? Well, which other nation is, great, is so great as, the, as our own nation that, 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 uh, that the, the gods are near them the way God is near us? And there's the key in, the, in this verse. Key to experiencing the presence of God. We need to pray to God. David said, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David was in an island, a Patmos of his own right there. And he begins to cry out to God and he begins to seek God. Some of you might be saying, Pastor Joe, I'm trying, but I'm not getting through. Maybe he speaks to you, Joe, but he's not speaking to me right now because maybe I'm not that spiritual. Can, can I just challenge you to keep on crying out to God no matter how you feel and think? Because I know there's been my, times in my own life when I haven't felt the presence of God. Crying out to God and nothing. Seeing stuff in my own life and saying, God, why aren't you intervening, God? Why, I, I, you're all powerful, Lord God. Why, why is it that you seem powerless at times? Said to God, I know you're real. I know you love me. I, I know that you're in control. I know you're close to the brokenhearted. We read about it this morning in our text. I, I know, God, that you're in control. I, 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 and I will serve you all the days of my life. I say to God, God, I'm going to seek your face today. I'm going to cry out to you today, whether, whether I feel it or not. I'm going, to, I'm going to cry out to you. But Lord, this mountain just seems so big. I know this mountain seems really big. This giant just seems much bigger than me. Lord God, but, but, but hear this, Lord God. There was a day many, many years ago when I was in my teens where I made a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. No matter what was going on, I was going to serve the Lord. And here's the situation. I enjoy serving the Lord when everything's going my way. Can I hear an amen, someone? I enjoy, I enjoy serving the Lord when I click my fingers, when I pray, and then, well, kazam, there it is right there and then. I, I, I enjoy serving the Lord when I pray and coincidences happen. But there are times when it doesn't. And I said to the Lord, I said to the Lord, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come into your presence today and I'm going to cry out to you. Right now, everything inside of me doesn't want to. Right now, everything inside of me is saying the complete opposite. But Lord, I'm going to cry out to you today. And if nothing changes in my life, you know what, God, I'm going to be back tomorrow. I'm going to be back here tomorrow and I'm going to cry out to you. And if nothing changes tomorrow, I'm going to be back the day after that. And I'm going to be back next week and I'm going to be back next month. I don't care if I have to be back here for the rest of my life, I'm going to cry out to you. 
I will continue to seek your face because I know that you will answer me. That there is no other God like our God who is near us whenever we pray to him. I'll tell you, that's a beautiful promise that some of us need to get a hold of. John was in a dry, barren place. That didn't mean he couldn't feel the presence of God. Second thing we notice here is that God began to speak to John. John says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Wish I had a trumpet here this morning. It was loud. It wasn't one of those, well, you know, was that God or not? No, it was loud like a trumpet. Whenever we're in a dark place, what we need more than anything else is the word of the Lord. Great example of this in the life of Elijah. Elijah had been led during a drought season near a creek where he's being fed by the ravens. He's just enjoying life. And then the Bible says sometime later, the the brook dried up. Isn't that true of our lives sometimes where everything is going well, we're enjoying the presence of God, God is gracious. We we wonder if, can it get any better than this? (laughs) And then all of a sudden, the brook dries up. The job dries up, the finance dries up, the joy dries up, the marriage dries up, the hope dries up. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in an island wondering, where where are you, God? Where are you, God? What do you do in those times? I like like what verse 8 says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. At some point in his life, the brook dried up. There he was drinking the water from the well and the ravens were flying. The uber ravens were flying in and they were bringing meat to him every single day of his life. Everything was going fantastic. Everything was going really well. But then the brook dried up. Many times that happens in our lives. That's verse 7, but verse 8. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Greatest thing that we can do is seek God until we get a word from God. How many of us still believe that God can speak today? Come on, church. How many of us still believe that God speaks today? He can speak to us by the voice of the Holy Spirit. I know it sounds weird. You might be here, a guest here today, and you're kind of like, these people are crazy. But it's true. God can speak to us by the Holy Spirit, through His Word, through, through a song as we've been singing, and through a message like this, God can speak to us. And we know that it's a word from God. John says, on the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit. I heard a loud voice and I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with golden sash around his chest. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. As he's on the island, Christ begins to reveal himself to him in a, in a way that he's never seen before. And, and he begins to encourage John. Jesus begins to encourage him. He says, don't be afraid, John. I'm the first and I'm the last. He's reminding John of who he is. Remember, I was dead, but now I'm alive. Do you remember, John? Do you remember? Do you remember that they crucified me? Do you remember, John, as they, as they, 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 they drove those nails in my hands? Do you remember, John, how I rose from the dead? And I'm going to be alive forever and ever and ever. And I have the keys of death and hell. Just remember that, John. And I'm in control, so don't worry and don't be afraid. Because I will never leave you nor forsake you. Because even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm right there next to you. That even if you walk through the fire, I will protect you. That even if they throw you in a lion's den, I I can shut the, the mouths of the lions. 
that even if they put you in a prison cell and chain you up, I can open prison doors, John. Whatever and whoever you think is powerful right now, you need to know that does not have the power to determine your destiny and your identity. So don't be afraid, John. So be encouraged, John. Come on, come on, John, be encouraged. You're gonna get through this, John. One of the things that happens as we begin to cry out to God is God begins to speak to us. I don't know if that's happened to you, but it certainly happened to me. As I begin to cry out to God when I'm in those kind of seasons, inevitably God will begin to speak. It'll be a word at some particular time. It'll be a psalm. It'll it'll be a, a, a word in a preaching. And God will begin to speak to us. I remember when I was in my 20s or something, I was going through a bit of a tough time and, uh, and, and just, just uh, you know, just going, God, where are you? Where, 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 God, I can't feel your presence. What's going on? And, and I remember Pastor Elio preaching a sermon and he, it was from, I think, Ezekiel or Jeremiah. It says, uh, you have run with men, but you shall run with horses. <laughs> what, 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 what God was saying to me back then, you think you're in trouble right now. Things are about to get worse. That was an encouraging word, wasn't it? <laughs> God can speak to us. What it was telling me, that God is right there next to me, that He's with me. That no matter what we need to face, He's going to be there with us to face whatever situation we're going through. One of the things that happens as we begin to cry out to God, He begins to, he begins to speak to us. It's a word. It's, it's a word that becomes an anchor in our lives. Lord, do you remember that word? Do you remember what you spoke, Lord God? begins to reveal himself in a, in a new way. He begins to show who he is. He begins to give us promises and how much he loves us. I love, I love the story of Job and how Job is, is shaking his fist at God. So much to learn from that particular book. He's, he's in, a, in an island of Patmos of his own. And throughout the book, most of the chapters in that book, he's shaking his fist at, where are you, God? If I could just talk to God, I, I, can't, I turn there and I don't find him. I turn the other place. I can't, I can't find him. And, 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 you know, he's crying out to God and he's, claiming some promises, but I know that he's with me. And though he's slain me, yet will I trust in him. Powerful declarations. Job 38, God speaks out of the storm. And I love that verse. And, and the Lord spoke out of the storm. Job 38 verse one. And, and what does God say to, jo- to Job? What does God say? Here he is, he's been quiet all, of these, all, these, all this time. And then suddenly he speaks. What does he say? Job, uh, God says to Job, you poor thing, Job. Come here and give me a hug. Does, does, does God begin to stroke his back saying, you poor thing? Oh, I know. Things have been tough. God says to him, stand up, Job. I want to ask you some questions. <laughs> you seem to know everything, Job. You seem to be like, you know, you, you, you got it all worked out. You seem to be in control of everything. Well, why don't you just try and answer some of these questions, Job? Do you know where the storehouse of snow is? Any idea where that might be, Job? I mean, you seem to know everything. Do you know where the storehouse of, Job, of the snow is? Have you ever, have you ever called the morning, Job? Uh, you know, when was the last time you called the sun and said, why don't you come up, son? Did you set the dimensions of the earth? You know, do you know where the plans are? Job, you seem to know everything, Job. Do you know the laws of the heavens? What was God doing with Job? What, what, what was God doing with Job? God was reminding Job who he was. And Job, at the end of this discourse, chapter 38, chapter 39, at the end of this discourse, Job says, I'd heard of you, but now I've seen you. On Patmos, God wants to speak to us and encourage us and reveal himself to us in a greater way. Third thing that we need to understand is that Patmos is a place where God reveals his purpose. 
Christ says to John on two occasions, write therefore what you've seen, what is now and what will take place later. And here was John thinking his life was over, banished to the island, just endure the last years of your life. You know, this is where you're going to die, just endure these years and, and, and then call it quits. What he did not know, that God was right there with him and that God had placed him right where he needed to be. What John did not know was that although the Roman authorities had put him on this island to punish him, to limit his effectiveness, to stop him from preaching, to, to, to close his mouth, so to speak, what they didn't know is that they were bringing him to his destiny. What the Roman authorities didn't, didn't know, what they thought was going to cause harm for him, they were bringing him to his destiny. That what the enemy meant for harm, God was going to use for good. They were bringing him to the exact place where God wanted him to be. Many of us might be in an island of Patmos and we're wondering, what's the point of this? What's the purpose in this? What good can come out of it? Why am I here? What have I done to get here? The, the reality is a lot of those times, those situations are pregnant with the purposes of God. Who knows that God is doing something in your life that you can't see? Who knows that God has brought you here for such a time as this? Or maybe what you're going through has nothing to do with you at all. Maybe, maybe you're on the island of Patmos because God is working something inside of you and through you that will touch the generations to come. Here we are looking at this letter that God gave to John and we're being blessed by it because John was on the island of Patmos. John Piper says, Oh, how God must become weary with how often we question His itinerary for our lives. How often we think we know better how to get from here to there. I'd say an amen to that. We're so much more prone to grumble with the conductor when the train turns south than we are to sit patiently and wait for lessons from the Lord. He's a very mysterious guide. We never quite know what is coming next. God would never make it in the travel industry because he's always leading his best clients into the wilderness. <laughs> I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know why God has allowed you to go on the island of Patmos. And I know that you feel like it's the end and you may, you may feel like God has abandoned you. John reminds us that God does some of his greatest work in some of the most difficult seasons in our lives. Whatever, whatever's brought you on the island of Patmos, you know, here's, here's John going, oh, what did I do? To, what, what did I do? The reason why I'm here is because I was preaching the gospel. Sometimes we're on the island of Patmos because we made some stupid decisions. Can I hear an amen to that? And there's three honest people in church. Listen, it doesn't matter what got you there. The, Patmos always has one purpose, and that, us, and that is to bring us closer to God, to cause us to cry out to God. As we begin to cry out to God, as we begin to seek His face, as we begin to say, God, how stupid was I? As we begin to say, God, I don't know what's going on here. Something changes. Something changes. And often what changes is not our circumstances, but what changes is something inside of us. As we read history, we find that John would never come off the island of Patmos. Actually, he died on that particular island. His circumstances never changed, but he was never the same again. There are some things in our life 
that will never change. There, there, are some, there are some things in our life that will never change. We can't change the past. Doesn't matter how much we think about it. Doesn't matter how much we lie awake at night thinking about back there. It's never going to change. We can't change our mistakes. We can't, we, can't, we can't change what happened there. Some of us have lost a loved one. We can't change that. And we can spend our life in regret or be on that if only treadmill. Anyone's ever been on that if only treadmill where you're just doing all this work, but you're still in the same place. And we can spend our whole life there or we can allow God to speak to us. Because maybe like John this morning, you're finding yourself on Patmos. And what brought you there was a divorce, a setback, a bad grade, a relationship gone bad, and it's convinced you that life is finished. John reminds us that no matter what brought us there, no matter what looks powerful right now, we need to know that it doesn't have the power to determine our destiny. And Patmos can can definitely be a place of discouragement, confusion, or it can be a place where God begins to speak. Or it can be a place where we feel the presence of God. Or it can be a place where God actually begins to speak to us about what He wants to do next in our lives. Where maybe our circumstances don't change, but our perspective of those circumstances begins to change so that actually we see them completely different. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted... He will also provide a way so that you can stand up under it. Provide a way through. So that you can actually stand up under it. Often often God doesn't deliver us from, He delivers us in. Now I'm not saying that your circumstances are not going to change because I want to believe for that in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? I'm saying there are some things that are definitely not going to change, but there are some things that can change in the name of Jesus. And that's why we cry out to God. Because so often it can be a word. So often it can be a thought. So often it can be a a vision, a perspective. So often it can be just something, a word from God that changes everything. And the Lord spoke to John and the Lord spoke to Elijah. And the word of the Lord came to Job. And Moses is, you know, in the wilderness kind of wondering what's going on with my life. And then he sees a burning bush and he goes over to the burning bush and God begins to speak to him about his destiny. There are some of you who feel like you're in a wilderness right now. There are some of you who feel like you're on the island of Patmos right now. And you're just wondering, what is going on here? And the enemy's convincing you, that's it. Just just die here and that's it. This is as good as it gets for you. It's not going to change. I want you to know that's a lie from the devil. I, I want you to know that's not God speaking. That's the enemy speaking to you. And it's a lie. John reminds us that God does some of his greatest work. Oftentimes, in the season of Patmos, on every eye closed, every head bowed. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you go through trials of many kinds because they produce something. Trials. 
don't cause us to rejoice. That's not what James is saying in that scripture. But they have the capacity to produce something in us that is eternal if we would allow it. God is near those who seek after Him. I just pray this morning that we would seek after God. So here's what I want to do. Maybe this message doesn't apply to anyone today, or maybe it does. I don't know. But here's here's just what I want you to do. We're going to close the service, but I just want to pray for some people. Because I've been here myself many times. And I just want to pray for some people. So if, if you're on an island of Patmos right now or, or a derivative of that, you're in a wilderness, you're in a, just a difficult place right now, and you're just wondering what this is all about, I just want you to stand right where you are. I'm going to pray for you. That's all I'm going to do. Just going to get you to stand right where you are. And I want to pray for you. In fact, as I've been speaking, it's kind of been speaking to you. Don't be, don't be afraid. Just, just, the Holy Spirit is prompting you right now. God is near those who seek after Him. Pastor Joe, why do I have to stand? It's just a declaration. God, I'm in this place and I need you. I just need you right now. Just a couple more minutes. It could be somebody else. Come on, you're struggling, right? You're fighting. Don't fight. It's okay. We're in the presence of God. He's an amazing God. He loves you. He cares about you. He's got your best interest at heart. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And He's near right now. He's got great things in store for your life. When He created you, He didn't go, oh, I made Him. He's got great plans in store for your life. He wants to reveal that to you. He's just waiting for you to get closer to Him. Just cry out to Him. Just one more minute. If that's you, if you're feeling it right now, just come on, let's just stand. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to just do something this morning. Let, let, let's allow this thing to be broken in the name of Jesus. Let's make a declaration to the spiritual realm to say, you know what? I'm going to seek God. I'm going to cry out to God. I'm going to point towards God. And He's going to see me through because He's a great God. He's a mighty God. He's Elohim. He's Elohim. So, Father, I just thank you for this wonderful group of people that is standing even right now. And I just pray that by the Holy Spirit that you would just minister to each and every person in the name of Jesus. Father, you know what no one knows. You see what no one else can see, Lord God. You know every thought, every emotion, Lord God. You know the depth of despair that some people are feeling even this morning. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name. And some have even thought that thought has crossed their mind. I, I, don't, I don't want to keep on going. I don't, want to, I, don't, I don't want to be here anymore. This is just too hard. I, I just pray in the name of Jesus that something would be broken this morning in Jesus' name. That something would be broken, Lord God, in Jesus' name. We bind every work of the enemy in Jesus' name, every lie of the devil. We expose it in the name of Jesus, even this morning. In the name of Jesus, and I just pray that hope would begin to come. Lord, that fresh vision would begin to come, Lord God. That your voice would be heard like a trumpet, Lord God. That something would begin to shift in Jesus' name. That something would begin to shift in the name of Jesus. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He prepared in advance for us to do that. That there would be a revelation of that in the name of Jesus. 
that we would be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will that it would be revealed in the name of Jesus. Be glorified, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Father, we just thank You for this wonderful congregation, Lord. I just thank You for the Holy Spirit that's been with us, Lord God. Just a, just a word of encouragement this morning, Lord God. I just pray that, that You would be with all of us, Lord God. That You would guide us, that even as we go from this place, use us for Your glory, I pray. That lives be changed, transformed. Let us be Your hands and Your feet in Jesus' name. Help us to see what You see, Lord God in our schools, universities, in the in, in workplace, in our communities. Help us to see what you see, Father God. Help us to be sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Use us for your glory. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' glorious name. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You've been a great congregation this morning. We'll see you Wednesday night. Amen.